Turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. But before we get into that, I'm going to ask the four men that I, uh, I asked earlier to come up. Man, if you could just um, stand up here. And um, I'm going to ask them to do something a little bit different. And um, EJ, what did I... Um, Darren, you want to stand on? Actually, no, you're on this side. Here you go. All right. I've asked them to come and pray. Um, and we understand prayer is a is a spiritual thing. Um, but I wanted to pray specifically about um, just the on this side. We might need to swap here. I forget who I asked to do what, but I want them to pray for um, for the majesty of God. All right? We'll, we'll just stick with that. You guys can do that. I want them to pray about God. I want them to just speak about God and, and adore Him and think about who God is. And then I've asked these men to think about who they are and pray about who they are. Does that make sense? And so we're, I've just asked them to, to come up and do that. It, it, this isn't a stunt. But, you know, when we pray, it, it really just it reveals something, doesn't it? And not, not about these men, all right? But, but it reveals a bit of a, a, our attitude about who God is and, and who we are. And so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about a subject I think that's so important. In fact, I think God's been trying to get our attention about it. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to ask these men to pray. All right, and so, Pastor Junior, you want to start, and then Darren, and then and then I'm going to have you men and Dad, you close. All right, let's pray. Father God, as we come in your presence this morning, Lord, you've been so merciful to us, to your people. You've been gracious to us. So many of us that, Lord, we go on our own way. And yet you, in your mercy, oh God, with your guiding hand, you lead us again into your presence. And so, this morning, as we come before your presence, may we receive your majesty. May we see who you are. The God that deserves to be praised in spirit and in truth. The God that is worthy to receive all the honor and the glory. Help us to be people that glorify your name in everything that we do. Help us to see who you really are. 
guide us into your presence. May we empty ourselves of any attitude that displeasing to thee because you know our hearts. You know where we are at this moment because you are all knowing. You know even the secrets that we keep to ourselves. So God, I ask that you be glorified and magnified in everything that we do and say this morning with this I ask in Jesus' presence. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, um, for this day and what you've blessed us with, Lord. And Lord, what a reminder it is, you know, what brings us here together is what you did for us on the cross. And Lord, you know, you're our saviour and we we would not be here today if it wasn't for you and for what you did for us on, that, on the cross, Lord, that selfless act of love or that you did for us. And Lord, forgive me if I've forgotten that throughout my walk with, with you, Lord, where I haven't thought about that every single day about why... You did that for me, someone like me who was a sinner, sinner, Lord. And Lord, we're thankful that you are merciful when I can't be, Lord. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you know you still continue to give me chances every single day, even though, Lord, I don't deserve it. And Lord, I'm thankful that we have a church here today that shows that same love. And Lord, you know, you, you have every reason to give up on us. But Lord, we but you give us every reason to keep going, Lord. And we are so thankful for who you are and what you've done for us, Lord. And Lord, there are many times where I failed you and there are many times where I can't even promise if I won't fail you in the future, Lord, but you still are there for us and you're still there for me. And Lord, there have been many times throughout my life where I've just wondered why. And Lord, you still continue to be there lovingly, selflessly, Lord, mercifully. And Lord, I thank you for what you did for us on that cross. And it's so hard to fathom that you would do that for us. And it's so hard to fathom why you would do that for us, Lord. But you did it and you made it so simple that all we needed to do was believe and you would give us that opportunity to be in heaven with you, Lord, and to spend eternity with you. Um, Lord, I pray, you know, if, if we've let you down in any way, I pray that you would continue to help us to get back up, Lord, to keep going, to keep walking with you and to keep trying, Lord. You know, you didn't ask us to be perfect, but you asked us to love you, to love you back, to be a doer of the word, to, to you know, to, to live by your word, Lord, you know, to live by every word that you've spoken throughout this word, Lord. And I thank you again for, again, like I said, your goodness, your grace, and Lord, how holy you are and how simple we are, Lord, but you still continue to love us. And we, are, I, I know for myself, Lord, I, it's so humbling as I say that to the church today. And, and as we pray as a church, I pray that you continue to help us to grow, to grow closer to you, to be a church that you could use, Lord, that you could use us to reach others, to share that same love and that's, and to tell others about the selfless act that you did for us on the cross. Lord, again, it's not up to us to be perfect, but it's up to you to be perfect, Lord. And through us, Lord, that you use the weak to shame the strong, Lord, and the foolish to, to shame the wise, the wisdom of the world. And, and Father, I thank you that we're in this position now where we can just openly just thank you for who you are. You know, in a country where we're not going to be condemned you know, for saying this out loud, but, to, you know, you've given us a country where we can actually just openly speak about how good you are and the goodness Lord, that you show to us every single day. Um, Lord, again, we just thank you so much for this opportunity and just pray that you would remind us all here today of why, of why we're here 
what brings us together is you, Lord. And I pray that you continue to put that at the forefront of our minds. And Lord, again, pray for this message and ask, Lord, that you'll continue to help us go through this message. Give us that daily, that daily bread that you promised us, Lord, and help us to be willing to receive that and to accept that as well. So Lord, again, we just thank you for this time. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, again, we come before you. and Lord, you named in the Bible this, this place, your place, your house, be a house of prayer. Lord, as you see our hearts this morning and we understand our frailty, the lack of wisdom that we possess, the inability, Father God, to, to think the way that you do, we are are truly blessed, Lord, to understand your love for us. Father, you see my heart this morning and you see the passion and the desire. But it cannot, it cannot surpass your passion and desire for my life. Lord, even though we want to do so many things for you, God, we, we're so limited in so many aspects. God, we're sorry for the times we've We've made decisions without consulting you. Lord, we apologize for the times where we may not have committed a sin outwardly, Father God, but in our minds, in our hearts, we've, we've taken your name and run it through the mud with our testimony, with, our, with the way we speak, with the way we live. And yet, Father, we, we have the privilege of calling you Father this morning. Lord, you truly are a loving God. So today, God, as we can explore this concept, as we understand who you are, we are humbled. We're humbled because of who we are. Lord, how, how empty we would be without you. Lord, we think and we pray, Lord, for those that are outside these walls that do not know you as personal Lord and Savior. We ask, God, that you help us have a burden, have a compassion, Lord, as you did for us. I thank you, Lord, that many years ago someone shared to me the Bible, shared to me how I can get to heaven. And so today, Lord, as we pray, may you continue to use the Spirit to speak to our hearts Reveal ourselves to ourselves. Lord, see our desperate need of you. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you, as Brother Darren said, even in our frailties, in, even in our failures, your love has never waned on us. Your love has never dissipated. Has gotten any lower. Father, you cannot love us anymore. You have given us love. And you've given us purpose. Thank you for giving us that. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a church that preaches the Bible. Father God, we can learn the scriptures so freely here in Australia. And Lord, share it so freely as well. Yeah, Father, the harvest is truly plenteous. But the laborers are few. And so, Lord, I ask... You help, you help us, Lord, to again see with your eyes, have compassion to those that are lost, and Lord, love one another and edify one another as Christians. Thank you again for this time of prayer. 
Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, we thank you, Lord. You are a great and mighty God. The, uh, by thy words, you have framed uh, everything and uh, the world and the universe around us. We thank you, Father, that uh, in your love for us, uh, you send uh, the Lord Jesus Christ who came from uh, everlasting when you framed the worlds. The world, he is there. And uh, this uh, word that's in the beginning, and this word was with God, and the word was God. You're allowed to come as a baby. In the book of uh, Isaiah, one of uh, or two of his names is a. Uh, everlasting uh, Father and Almighty God. And uh, God, uh, you decided to come in human uh, form in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the past, your spirit uh, thrives uh, with men, but they do, uh, the spirit depart. But uh, when Christ came and when he died for us and rose again, you left this Holy Spirit in our hearts, Lord. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is your power and your wisdom. And you left him in us, Lord, the believer. Then we put our trust in him. And uh, Lord, we do have this uh, power that you gave us and forgive us, Lord, when we don't use it or we cover it uh, with our sins. We cover it with our unbelief, Lord. And help us, uh, forgive us, God, that uh, we don't use uh, the power, that uh, we don't tap into the power that you give to us, Lord. And you build the church, Lord. You promise that the gates of hell shall not prevail it. We're supposed to be uh, in the offensive, Lord. But uh, because of our unbelief, we are uh, running around. We are afraid, Lord, to witness. We are afraid, Lord, to uh, raise the banner of uh, hope. We are not shining the light, Lord, that we're supposed to be uh, shining throughout the world. And help us, uh, God, as we uh, come to thy presence this morning, that uh, Give us uh, a heart that is uh, ready to obey, uh, ready to uh, be uh, willing to be used and uh, put you once again as number one in our lives, Lord. Not uh, the things that we would like to do, Lord, but uh, according to your will. And give us the grace, Father, as you give us mercy, new mercies every day, that uh, we may realize our... Uh, inability to obey you, Lord, but uh, you're the one that can empower us uh, to live victorious uh, lives. And thank you, Father, for your precious word. As we uh, obey your word, we can be uh, strong once again, Lord, to obey your will. May you grant us peace in our hearts. May you grant us uh, wisdom 
<coughs> Lord, as we diligently seek you, and may we continue to uh, live by that uh, grace you give to us that we might uh, walk by faith and not by sight. Thank you, Father, for the church, the pillar, and the ground of the truth. May you continue to bless us, Lord, as we move forward. May we continue to uh, move with the vision you gave us, Lord. Help us, uh, one another, to have unity of mind and spirit to uh, move as uh, one force to thy glory. And uh, thank you for your promise, Lord, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. May we glorify you with uh, what uh, we have done this morning. May uh, we lift your banner high, even today, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated, men. I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. And uh, look at verse 19. And we'll, we'll go through this and I hope you get the, the, the thought here this morning. You know this story, it's a familiar story, but there's a, there's a part here that I want you to notice. Notice in verse 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. So Jesus engaging in a conversation with this woman, she responds in this way. And our fathers, notice what he says, she says, worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So she had a perception about worship that, that Jesus was about to correct. In verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. And he says to her, Ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Notice this, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And, and he, he's correcting a perception that, he had, that she had about worship, that it was some sort of localized thing. And yet what he was revealing was, was that they were to worship in spirit and in truth. But, but the interesting part to me, and I want to point out to you, is that God is the one seeking for worshipers. You know, we, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about walking by faith, not by sight. We've been talking about our service. We've been talking about our passion for Him. And, and you know, those areas are important. But I think as we think about, I think of, we think about the, those, those issues in our lives where we don't walk by faith, where we, we, we lack passion, where we lack priority about service, we can trace it back to this one thing, our worship life. You see, all of us here, we have a capacity to worship. You look around and, and sadly people worship different things, don't they? But, but really as believers, we don't only have a capacity to worship, but as believers we're called to worship. And God's desire in saving us was, was for His desire for worshipers. And one of the spiritual disciplines that I think that is so pertinent to us today, and in fact sometimes most often lacking, is really this thing of worship. I wonder if you're a true worshiper. 
you know, worship is much neglected these days, and as we'll, we'll see, there's a link between that lack of it and really the lack of spiritual outcomes in our lives. When there's a neglect in this area of worship, there's a corresponding dearth in spiritual output in our lives. And what worship needs to be is it needs to be defined in our lives. You know, I think one of the reasons why we don't have real worship in our personal lives is really due to a misdefinition of it. You know, sometimes we, we think we know that something is, is what it is. We, we look at a situation, we think what it, it is. And worship is one of those things. And, and what, what we see sometimes, we view worship as singing. And, and we'll see that's part of it. We see worship as attendance in a congregational setting like we do today. We often call our morning service our worship service. But what these are really just elements of worship, but it's not the total package. What we find, though, is worship is an essential part of God's plan for us. His, his own desire, as we saw here in our passage, is for worshipers. And so this morning I want to say you can't truly follow God's plan without being a worshiper. You could say all you want about how well you do this and that, but if you're not a worshiper, then you're not really following God's plan for your life. And, and what we saw here this morning I, I really is a demonstration of worship. You, you know what I noticed, and I hope you were paying attention a little bit, you know, when, when the men started praying and they started to give God His due, you know what the corresponding response was? A, real, a realization of who they were. They couldn't help it. You know, I had asked all four men to, to pray for specific things, but they couldn't help it. Once they started to think about God, they started to think about who they were. They, they couldn't help the fact that once they started to think about who God truly is in their lives, that there was a con corresponding lowering of themselves and a realization of how grateful and how thankful and how useful they should be instead for the glory of God. And, and what, that's what worship does. Really what worship is, worship is a preparatory work. Worship prepares us for the thing that God would have us to do. And, and what worship is, really is, is a kneeling before one that is superior. It's a personal adoration of God and then a corresponding diminishing of self in view of one who really is the ultimate. And we as individuals can only truly worship if we understand who God is and then by extension recognize how inferior we are to Him. Look at a couple of passages of Scripture. We're going to turn to a couple this morning, so hope you've warmed up your fingers. Look at, look at Psalm 29. Look at Psalm 29 and we'll go through couple of these and recognize a couple of things here. Notice verse, uh, verse 1, Psalm 29 verse 1, notice, give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Notice what he says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And what he's saying there, he's, he's referring to the mighty, so from an earthly estimation, they were mighty, they were strong, and yet even they, they had to give Glory due unto His name, and it was a worshiping of the Lord that was required. In the beauty of holiness. Then they understood the holiness of God. They understood His majesty. They understood how, how, uh, how He was above all, how pure and how light He was. Then they understood their weakness. 
notice then Psalm 66. Look at Psalm 66. We're going to turn to a couple here this morning. And notice what he says, verse 1, Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. And, and what you're going to find, there's a corresponding relationship between praise and worship. Say, say unto God, how terrible art thou in thy works. That means, the word terrible there means uh, fearful. How mighty. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. Notice what he says in verse 4. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name, Selah. And that's why, you know, songs of testimony of God's working in our lives Songs of His working, songs of His character, all of those things are good songs because they ascribe worship to God. They, there's a right estimation of who God is and who we are. How it's His work, not our work alone. Look at Psalm 86. Look at Psalm 86. And look at verse, uh, verse 8, among the gods, little g, there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name, for thou art great, and doest wondrous things. And notice what it says, thou art God alone. And really, when you, when, when you think about worship, it's a really an understanding of who God truly is, that there's no equal to God. You know, sometimes we have a view that somehow there's some sort of opposite effect to God, like an opposite personality to God. Listen, Satan has nothing to say to God. He's not an equal enemy. He's one that's already defeated. And, and I want to say to you that, that, that there's no God like our God. God is, is God alone. He's, he's, he covers all of the universe. He is God ultimate. And we see there that all the nations, we're going to see in a little bit, uh, scenes from heaven and how uh, many people of all kindred and all tongues, they'll ascribe greatness to God. And, and we see that all the nations will one day bow to God. They will worship. Look at Psalm 95. Look at Psalm 95. Notice verse 3. For the Lord is a great God. And a great king above all gods, in his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. And so we see the great depths to the great heights of this world. They're in his hand. The sea is his and may, he made it. His hands formed the dry land. You see the vastness of our earth. It, you, you who have traveled somewhat have seen from an airplane all of the, the endless lands perhaps that that just goes through the horizon just endlessly, but then you see the ocean, how great that is. And he's saying, he made that. He made all of that. And he says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. When you consider who God is, you can't help it but bow. But, but here's the problem. I think at times, when we go through times of prayer and even our spiritual activities, we're not really worshiping. We're just doing. We're not really considering who God is and there correspondingly who we are. And worship, again, in the basics of it is kneeling before one that is superior. 
But what worship does is it prepares us to have the right view of life. It helps us get to a place of priority. It gets us to a place of passionate pursuit of God and brings us to a greater measure of faith. So hence then, worship is a preparatory work. And then if it's neglected, it makes us ill-prepared to live for God. So I wonder if you've worshipped today. I wonder if you took the time or, or in your mentality... They have a wrong perception of worship. You've come to worship today, meaning you've come to attend. But I wonder if you took the time this morning, whether in your car, whether in, your, in the privacy of your own room, I wonder if you took some time to truly worship. Because that's, that's what we're called to do. Because that's what God expects of us. I, I wonder if that's, that's been our heart today. And, and I want to look at three things that God prepares us for through worship. Look at Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38 will be our first place here. We're going to look at uh, other passages in a little while. But look at Job 38. I, I, want to, I want to bring something to you here. Notice the Lord is answering Job. If you know the, the story of Job, Job was a righteous man. Job was perfect in his generation. He eschewed evil. And, and he was a great man of, uh, th- that was well known of the, in the day. He was a righteous man that God handpicked really. And he went through a great trial and he wondered and he, he, he wondered about the, the reasons for that. And so now the Lord is responding to Job's accusations of him. And here the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, verse 1, and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Saying, Who are you to counsel me? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou, notice what he says, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. So he's saying, how do you know? Where were you when I formed, when I created the world? Uh, Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? He's saying, how do you even, do you even fathom the measure of this world? Are you the one that put the equator there and understood that there's those hemispheres whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and now he's referring to the vast uh, universe, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth, as if it had issued out of the womb? So he's saying, he's, he's looking at nature, and he's pointing at the vastness of it. He's saying, do you understand, Job? Do you understand who I am? He, he goes on, and, and, and notice what he says in... Um, in verse 11, and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, there, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. He's saying, you, you, you don't understand, you, you understand a little bit, but you don't completely comprehend all that I do. Hast thou commanded the, the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? And so he'll go on, and, and we won't take the time, but He goes on and he really describes for Job all that he is. And often he used all of these things. And what he was doing was he was trying to get Job to understand who he was. He was trying to get Job to worship. Because later on we're going to see that really what he needed Job to do was humble himself. Now notice verse 40 and we'll see that. He continues, moreover the Lord answered Job and said, verse 1, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? says, he that reproveth God, let him answer. And, and isn't it the fact that, that sometimes in our lives when we don't understand, 
what's going on in our lives. We try to tell God what to do. We try to, to, to uh, reprove God. We try to counsel God on how it should be. God, it shouldn't be this way. Why are you putting me through this? When the reality is none of us can counsel God. None of us can reprove God. And he's saying to him, will you instruct me? And then notice Job's response when he understood. He said, then Job answered the Lord and said, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. And he goes on and he, in humility, then states to God his condition. Later on in chapter 42, Job answered the Lord again and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. He's saying, you can't even, we can't even hold the, the thoughts. You read our minds. You understand before we've even spoken it. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. He says, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech you and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now mine eye seeth thee, wherefore I bore myself and repent in dust and ashes. And you recognize that Job, when he understood the greatness of his God, the worship prepared him for humility. And so in the first place, what worship does, it prepares us to humbly see our lack. You know, sometimes we get too big for our own boots. Sometimes we think because of experience, because of achievement, because of our status in life, that somehow we understand like God understands. But what, what worship does when we truly worship, it prepares us to humbly see our lack. You know, Spurgeon said it this way, every Christian has a choice of being humble or being humbled. And God has a way of humbling us. Spurgeon said in a sermon, he said, Pride was man's first sin, and it will be his last. In the first sin that man ever committed, there was a certainly a large admixture of pride, for he imagined that he knew better than his maker, and even dreamed that his maker feared that man might grow too great. Remember the appeal of the, of the enemy? He said, you will be like God in your knowledge, and even dreamed that his maker feared that he might grow too great. It has been questioned whether pride was not the sin by which the angels fell, but there was certainly pride in the sin of Satan and pride in the sin of Adam. This is the torch which kindled hell and set the world on fire. And, and church, listen, sometimes the reason why there's not a greater deal of God exalting us is because really we've not worshipped and therefore we've not been prepared to humble ourselves. We walk around sometimes with our chest puffed out. We walk around as if just to, to dial in and, and dial out all of the things that we've achieved and all of the things that we've done and we've been educated and we've attained to this and we've got this in our lives and we forget that Almighty God is above all of that. That Almighty God is able to, be, uh, to, to look at that and to take it away at a moment's notice. And yet we fail to worship. The Bible tells us, to humble ourselves, therefore, under, under the mighty hand of God. Why? That He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And I'm so glad that we have a caring God. The, the young people sang a, a song about that. 
But listen, when was the last time you worshipped? And, and therefore, because of that, humbled yourself. It, it, worship prepares us to humbly seek our lack. And, and what it does, it highlights God's greatness. It highlights God's, God's greatness. God was responding to Job's accusations and reprovements, reproofs. And, and God answered with how great he was. And Have you ever thought about how vast the universe is? You understand God spoke the universe into existence. He said and it happened. That's what the word universe means, one word. Still today, we, we don't really understand just how great the universe is. You understand that, that if the earth was to fall off its axis by, by a, 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 a tiny, tiny degree that we could either freeze to death or burn to death. And yet God in His power and in His majesty, in, in all of His creation, He holds that in His hand. And I want to demonstrate that for you. Watch this, um, watch this uh, video with me this, uh, this morning.
understand? You know, we, we make much of this world, don't we? And we just sort of like, oh. Listen, we're a tiny speck in the vastness of this universe. You know, when you go on a plane, you look down and everyone's like little ants. But you know, when God looks, he sees the earth and it's just a tiny speck. But can I tell you this? You know, God holds all of that. You know, like a watch, it just runs and it, all the cogs work together. God just keeps all of that. You know, that, that sun is, is moving around and around the gravita gravitational pull of that, the sun, the, the, all of the planets around us are in their access and, access and yet God holds that together. And that's how powerful our God is. And can I just say to you, can I remind you that that great God comes down to your little room every night and every morning that you pray and He comes to your heart. And He in His graciousness and in His majesty comes to answer your prayer and yet sometimes we're so prideful that we call God this tiny respect and accuses God of not knowing what He's doing. We don't seek Him out like we should. We go and we just live our lives like it's, it's, it, we have enough wisdom to live it, and yet God, who created all of that that we just saw in that simple video, who holds all things in His hand, keeps us. And yet, Yet we forget God's greatness. And what worship does, it prepares us for, to humbly see our like. It highlights God's greatness. In Colossians 1.17, he says, He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And there's many benefits of seeing God for who He is. It ought to breed in us, God, our church, a greater trusting in Him. It ought to breed in us, instead of trusting in ourselves, a realization that maybe... Just maybe we need wisdom from God. That we need His perspective about things. Instead of trying to figure it out ourselves. Instead of trying to think that we know better than Him. And, and really what it does, it underscores man's limitation. Because when you understand that you're just a tiny speck in a vast universe, uh, universe and by the way, the Bible tells us that He fills all of it, God does. You know, we're not the center of the universe. God fills the universe. And it's not about us, it's about Him. And really it underscores man's limitation. And, and what this dialogue between God and Job concludes is that Job, representative of a man, really was limited in his understanding. And that's why the Bible tells us if any of you lack wisdom, and you know the imperative there is not really a question, it's an assumption. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally. You know why he can give it liberally? Because he's such a powerful and mighty God. He can give it liberally because he is unlimited in his ability to give us wisdom. And the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which passeth all understanding. He says in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. 
As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. And listen, how dare we sometimes accuse God of not knowing what He's doing. He's above all. And what worship does is it helps us to underscore our limitation, but then it emphasizes man's need. We won't take the time, but in Revelation chapter 1, another occurrence where, where a man, John, saw God. You know what happened? He fell down and worshipped, and then God revealed some things, some understanding. And listen, if you lack understanding about your life and understanding about the direction that God would have for you to take, and you, you, you need to understand what the future holds, and, and you're the kind of Christian where it matters to you, it doesn't matter what the world says, but it matters what God says, then you're going to be the type of Christian that would just readily worship, would kneel before an almighty God, won't take every day as if it's a joke, but would take every day seriously and understand God in His greatness lent me this day. And I pray that, that we would be such people. Look at the next thing. Look at Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. And notice verse 1. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereupon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took up out the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders, notice this, fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God. By thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven on the earth under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said Amen and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And that's just a simple scene in heaven. And we could enumerate and elaborate in all of that but, but here's what I'm trying to get you to see. There's worship in heaven. And here's what worship prepares us. It prepares us for heavenly living. You know, in heaven, we're going to do a lot of worshiping. We're going to do a lot of kneeling before our mighty God. And many times we refuse to even utter and give praise to our God for the good things in our lives. And, 
And here, all of these creatures, all of these in heaven, they all worshipped. And we see here in these heavenly scenes, bowing and ascribing greatness to our Lord. And again, when the men prayed earlier, they couldn't help it. They couldn't help as they focused on God to lower themselves. And maybe in heart because of the publicity here. But, but no doubt, at times, needfully, we actually, bow, we actually bow and lower ourselves on the ground. And, and, and then sometimes we, we think that that, that is just a, some, sort of a, some sort of show, but all throughout Scripture, heartfelt worship almost always resulted in a physical bowing or even at times lying prostrate as dead on the ground. The very writer of Revelation, when he saw Jesus he fell as dead, understanding that he was in the presence of God. And, and can I uh, conjecture with you this morning, uh, at times when we have no heart to kneel, when we have no heart to worship that way, then really it comes down to this. It hasn't really been worshipped. We've, we've sort of just taken it casually. And yet worship comes with that, and, and this is what we'll do with, in heaven. We'll worship. It'll be glorious in the presence of God. It'll be glorious to hear that, that choir up in heaven with every tongue and every kindred and every peoples of the world. Can you imagine the greatness of heaven? But can you imagine the greatness of our God? And we'll be there. They're, they're, uh, I recently finished reading my Bible again. And I love how right at the end, the Bible tells us there'll be no more Sun, there'll be no more light because the Lamb is the light. And we'll bask in His glory. And, and I'm just saying, all of that, it's all of that worship. But listen, what worship does is it prepares us for heavenly living. You know, we're supposed to be preparing for our move to heaven. We're supposed to be exercising those things that, that we know about heaven now. You understand, you know, when, when we were moving to Australia... What my parents did was they started to instruct us in English. You know why? Because that is the language here. Right? Right? We, we need to get the language in heaven, and that the language in heaven is praise and it's worship. They, they started to tell us about the things that were happening here, the different things that were Australian. Why? But they were preparing us to move. And some of you here tonight, this morning, you have no interest, even though you claim to be saved, of preparing for heaven. You're still living for this life, and you will not worship. You will not do what you say you are. You know why? Because you lack worship in your life. Many times we live for this world. We don't live for heaven because we've not prepared in worship. You think this world is it? You're a fool if you think that. You, you see the scenery, the wonders that you can see on postcards, and all you wish is to see that. I'll tell you what, you imagine the wonders of heaven and the glory of God basking in His presence. It will outdo every postcard you'll ever see. And yet we'll live for this world. Can I just remind you this morning, can I remind you that we're commanded to be heavenly minded? See, the Bible tells us, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. See, our affections, our mentality, we've been commanded to, be, to lift that heavenward. And worship is a means to have the mindset of heaven. But then, can I remind you, if you're saved here this morning, you're citizens of a heavenly monarch. See, the Bible tells us He's raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. He's reserved a seat for you and I. In Ephesians 2.19, Now therefore we are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Listen, we're no longer earthly citizens, friend. If you're saved here, you, you might have a citizenship to this nation, to another nation. But listen, if you're saved here, you're a citizen of heaven. And you've got a heavenly monarch to serve. But then the Bible's called us to be ambassadors for Christ. And you know what an ambassador is? It's a representative of another nation in, in the nation that they're currently residing in. We have ambassadors from all over the world residing in, the, in Canberra. And you know what? They don't, change, they don't change their habits. They're representing their nation here. And listen, here's the point I'm trying to make. God has called you and I an ambassador. And if you worship, truly worship, and you're, you're, you're worshiping so He can prepare you for heavenly living, listen, then you're an ambassador here. You don't represent this world. You don't represent anything else. You represent your Lord Jesus Christ and your citizenship in heaven. So live like it. Live like it matters to you. Live like it. it it's the thing that drives us and worship will get us there. It says that we're a chosen generation. You know, you look at, you look at the ambassadors and they'll do some peculiar things. You know why? Because it's custom in their nation. They might dress the, the national costume on, on official gatherings, and they won't dress in the custom of our nation. And we look at that, that's peculiar. But, but that's exactly the picture he's trying to bring to us. You're not a citizen here anymore, so stop acting like it. You're a peculiar people. You're, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation before God. And, and so we ought to have a, a mindset of heaven, but also a citizenship. And we ought to be living for our heavenly monarch. Do you know what worship does? It prepares us for heavenly living. Listen, how's your heavenly living doing? Or are you too busy living just like everyone else, like you're forgotten that you're, the citizen, you're a citizenship of a heavenly monarch? But then lastly, look at Isaiah chapter 6, and I'm hurrying here. Isaiah chapter 6. Notice this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne. And, and here, Uzziah has a vision of heaven, all of that. And notice what he says in verse 5, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then later, verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Here's what worship prepares you to do. It prepares us to heartily serve the Lord. You see, Isaiah was really, he was serving because Uzziah was a righteous king. And God removed Uzziah. Uzziah, you can read about his story in, 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 in um, Chronicles. But we see he didn't end well, but Uzziah dies. And here, Isaiah was confronted about heaven and what it meant to him to serve. You know, I was, I was encouraged that as we looked at the attendance and all of that, that 80% of our church 
signed up for, to serve. I'm, I'm glad for the four missionaries in the last couple of years that we've sent out. We have a handful of young men called to ministry. But all of this doesn't translate from us as a church being anything. This is all about the fact that we ought to be a church that produces that because we're a church that worships. We need to be a worshiping church because worship prepares us for heart-level service for the Lord. And, and really what Isaiah did, he served in a sent capacity. He said, here am I, sent me. He understood the vision for service. He understood the vision for those around him. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the, in the midst of the people of unclean lips. He understood the need. He saw the vision to serve. And, and here, what I want to say to you this morning is sometimes I wonder, where are the laborers? Where are those who will actually go? Where are those who will follow Christ in their service? And here's what I conclude. Where are the worshipers? Because if we worship, we will serve. If we worship, we will have an, a heart to do what God has called us to do. But it also helps us to serve in a steadfast capability. Isaiah later on asked, and we won't take the time, he says, how long? He says, let me serve, and worship keeps us going. It renews us every day, and you know, what gets us going should be what keeps us going. And when we worship, and instead of serving out of guilt, we serve out of worship, it'll make us steadfast in our service. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know Him. And then later on He said, I press toward the mark. He's, he, he wanted to worship. He wanted to know who God truly is. But then we serve in a spent up conduct. And notice later on He says, until the cities be wasted, which means this, until the job gets done. Hey, listen church, if God has given you breath today, it's because He still has something for you to do. The job's not done. And you know what will keep you going? Worship. Worship will keep you going. It's not man's applause. It's not recognition. It's not fruit even. What will keep you going is if you will be a true worshiper. You know, Brother Shemesh told me once, he said, down here is for working, up there is for resting. And what he meant by that was this, work until the job gets done. You know, you see people around who retire from different things. You know, as Christians, we never really retire. But you know what people, uh, what Christians do who stop serving? They've stopped worshiping. They've stopped worshiping because what got them started was what kept them going. They got guilted. They felt obligated. But if you start with worship, then it'll get you to that place where you're spent up for the Lord. I love what Apostle Paul said, you know, I would gladly be spent for you, for the more I love you, the less I'd be loved. You know what? He didn't serve for the applause of man. He didn't serve because he wanted the accolades. He served because he truly worshipped. And can I say to you that we have a God who's worthy of worship. And I want to ask you, how's your life? You know, are you, are you looking to finish the course? Are you looking at the finish line? Are you looking at getting through how's how's your worship life how's how's the how do you see yourself see worship prepares us in so many ways and a lack of worship means a lack of preparation do you view yourself like you ought 
Do you live each day like a citizen of heaven? Do you serve with all your heart saying yes to whatever God would have you to do? If you're not prepared for these, then look no further than your worship life. Come to a place of worship. Come to a posture of worship where you kneel before a God who's worthy of our praise, but worthy to be worshipped. Let's pray. Father in heaven, come, we come before you. And Lord, we could have said so much more if time could only permit us. Lord, of the greatness of your, your, your character, the greatness of your works. Lord, we could have looked at the, the Lord, just the very fact of salvation and how you loved us how you willingly laid down your life and we could have just stopped right there, but we look at creation. We look at your, your continual provision. We look at your holiness. We look at your power, your might. And Lord, we just simply say, Lord, thank you. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, we recognize that in us dwelleth no good thing. Lord, we recognize that in us, Lord, we're limited in our knowledge and understanding and how we need you, dear God. Lord, to give us wisdom for each day. Lord, in, our, in ourselves, Lord, we lack the understanding, Lord, of, of how to live this life and how to, how to keep on for you. And yet, in your power, you are unlimited to supply our very needs. And so I pray that you would help us, Lord, this day to worship you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, Lord, ascribe to you the greatness that you deserve. To understand who you truly are. To understand that, Lord, you hold this world. And Father, I pray that then you would help us to see how small we truly are and how dependent we need to be on you. Lord, help us this morning as the piano begins to play. We're going to have every head bowed, every eye closed. And